You can cut this out if you want. I just started recording. Yeah. But I like that your body's defense system to too much stress. It's mm-hmm. going like, hey, your anal gland, it's going to bleed. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just, like, what do you do with that? Like, yeah. like I said, as an angry person, mm-hmm. when you get so angry that your asshole starts bleeding or mm-hmm. your anal gland starts bleeding, like, yeah. how do you deal with that emotionally? You know, it's, I wouldn't even mind the bleeding. I wouldn't even mind the bleeding so much. Cause, it hurts a Yeah, because it just hurts. Like, the blood, you know, like, I've wiped my ass so hard that it's like you go wipe again and there's blood. Like, okay, that, that's going to happen. <laughs> that's going to happen sometimes, you know. But the... But the just like the swelling of an anal gland and then just every time you walk every time you sit up i mean stand up or sit down like i couldn't even do like all the exercise i wanted at the gym because it's just like got a swollen anal gland <laughs> you know like it's, it's not the greatest thing and and here's another thing that's just it's kind of this is kind of disgusting because yeah. but after after like two days i was like well i've had a hemorrhoid before i can just tough it out you know it's only gonna be here for like a week or so and then it was like well you know my girlfriend's like why don't you just put like some aloe vera in there you know just to you know soothe it, soothe it out, it out yeah. a little bit so i'm like all right you know I'll, so i finally did that i took some aloe vera and then i'm like shoving it up into my asshole yeah which and, is i just should yep yep sho- shoving it up there and then like after about two minutes i'm sitting there and then I get an uncontrollable like need to shit. Oh, that's the worst. It's because I'm just jamming all of that shit up in there and everything. Yeah. So I just shit out all the aloe vera and everything. So then I got to go take a shower, clean out my asshole again, and then try the aloe vera again. Did the, al- did the aloe vera again, farted it out within like two minutes. Just farted all of the liquid out. <laughs> <laughs> so just... <laughs> 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 like I can't make that. I mean, it's just like real life. You can't make that happening. up. Yeah, that's it's like that's happening. like a thing. Like no one would say mm. that they're in that position if it didn't happen. No. Way. <laughs> <laughs> no. Listen, man, I am I am genuinely sorry oh. that that's happening to you. Yeah. But that's gonna be funny to me for like at least a couple of days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did not expect to find myself in this position, but uh, See, here we I, are. <laughs> I, I I relate to that like stress injury yeah. Oh, yeah. thing, like yeah. stress moment, because I, I I'm an angry guy. Mm-hmm. I, I I I suppress a lot of anger yeah. all of the time. Yeah, pretty much always. Mm-hmm. Everybody talks to me. I'm like three bad interaction away from fucking losing it mm-hmm. every time. But I've never bled out of my asshole because I've been yeah. so angry. Yeah, and I think part of that is just because I let that anger out. You're just letting it out. In that uncontrolled, I'm trying to find ways to channel it mm-hmm. into something that's a little bit more productive, something that's a little bit less, you know, socially unhealthy. Because mm-hmm. I let a lot of anger out oh, yeah. socially. So you find, my, you, you find me in a room going like, what the fuck are you doing? That doesn't make sense. Ex- like explaining to a lot of people some bullshit about mm-hmm. how cars don't make any sense. Okay, yeah. I've done that ran here. Yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> so like I, I let my anger out that way. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find ways to like, Use like a, you know, like you remember X Men, the the guy with the lasers through his chest, lasers uh, havoc. Through his chest. Oh, havoc, havoc, yes, yeah, yes, havoc. Okay. I want to be that guy. You oh, know? just to let off energy and spray it all. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. right now I'm the guy before the suit where he was just like be in a room and just like ah, and then shit would just explode. Yeah, I'm that guy now. I want to mm. be the guy that has like a thing that he can point it at, control the anger. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I still haven't gotten there. Mm. Um, uh, it, it's it's a lot of work. Every time I think about something that makes me just fucking furious. Mm. You can feel like the 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 sort of the energy like exhuming off me. Mm-hmm. I want to fix that. I don't know how to do it, eh? but I want to fix that before I bleed out of my <laughs> asshole. 
You know, you're just a it's, nice motivator uh, now. I mean, yeah. It's, <laughs> the thing is, it's like, it's like I have healthy ways of letting off stress, but there's sometimes like this past week to where there's just so many factors of stress yep. to where it's like there's not enough. Like I would, li- I would just have to be an angry, very angry person for like this past last week in order to just be healthy yeah because it's like seriously that's what my i needed that i needed to be able to let off that frustration in some kind of way in order to be healthy you know but like <laughs> like seriously not even joking no you know? i know what you mean and, and, and it's just like the fact that i didn't like now i'm bleeding out of my ass because yep. of that <laughs> i'm so sorry man <laughs> it just goes to show if you're angry just be fucking angry yeah you got you're, sometimes yeah you gotta yeah. you gotta just let the frustration <laughs> out in some type of way and it's just like my my usual things are like go for a jog or work out or jack off or you know just like lay yeah. on lay on a nice comfy pillow you know just uh, smoke some weed you know it's like i have all those things but it's just wasn't th- enough it was, it was not, not enough, enough this time no and my asshole is showing me that it was not i am i i <laughs> express nothing but sympathy to you about that because holy shit yeah the fact that you can't sit it's just upsetting i mean i can but it's, it just feels like there's it just feels like there's something in? lunged in like right at the tip of my like asshole right at the tip of the anus there's just something there and it is and i can't take it out because it's my anal gland that's just a little too pronounced you want to go to a doctor it'll, it'll be gone in a few days it'll be gone in a few days but for now it's this unpleasant oh man oh but for film's sake podcast Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, shit. yeah that's right. Welcome back to the For Film Sake Podcast, everybody. My name is Brad and Chia. And I'm here with Chris Lucky. And today we're gonna talk about Kronos. Yeah. Today we're gonna be talking about Preparation H. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we've got a new got a new sponsor here. Uh, for when you're just so stressed that your asshole burns out. Yeah. Preparation H. Preparation H. <laughs> It'll do it. Uh, I gotta be like I, I've never had hemorrhoids, mm-hmm. but I've had you know anal irritation before, yeah, which yeah. sounds like a great hardcore metal album cover. Anal irritation. Anal irritation. Yeah. Uh, I've had that before, and it's just like to the point where it's just like you can't bear it anymore. Yeah. And I put Preparation H in there one time, yep. and the soothing effects of Preparation H. Yes. It just felt it's like a wave of like comfort <sighs> and cold, and you just sit there and you just <laughs> shake in yeah. misery. And I loved it. Oh, yeah. I can attest to that. Oh, yeah. Uh, Preparation H, if you want to sponsor. <laughs> sponsor by Preparation H. Oh, yeah. Uh, Come on fuck. down. Yo, uh, so this week, Jessica Jones came out. I did. It did. Jessica Jones. I did. <laughs> it did come out. Yeah. yeah I, I did my best to uh, to binge it. I'm on episode five right now. Um, I want to hold back any judgment just because I haven't seen the final the full, thing, full yeah. thing. But so far, I'm not happy about it. I remember, like, because my mom started watching the first season. Yeah. And so I rewatched, like, a lot of that first season oh, with that's her. great, yeah. Uh, just to, like, get a recap on what's happening and, like, figure it out. Yeah. That first season, mm-hmm. it's just hard to top. Like, that I mean, first season, season is just amazing. It's a lot of it, I feel like, with time, too. Like, we didn't have Jessica Jones was the one that kicked in the door. Well, no, I think it was uh, Daredevil, actually. Daredevil was the first yeah, one, yeah. Yeah, they she kicked the in the door. One. And then it was like, oh, we have a female perspective. And just the, her personality was something completely different than what we were getting. I believe this came out in 2016. I think first, so, yeah. Jessica Jones. And it was like, all right, we get a strong female who just doesn't give a fuck. She doesn't have to be pretty. She doesn't have to, you know, speak in the, the social, socially required way for a female. Right. She can drink. She can do whatever the fuck she wants. 
once. And I was like, all right, I like that. I like to get to see that. So, but now that I'm watching this in 2018 and I'm seeing the exact same character, I'm like, can I get some development in any kind of way? Either get worse or get better. Yeah. But I'm kind of tired of your just not giving a fuck about anything. I think that this, uh, uh, from what I heard, the season kind of goes in a little bit more in her origin. Mm. So it's a lot of like flashback and you see like how we got there. Is that true? Maybe. Like, we not in the first four episodes yeah, so, so far. It's interesting. I haven't seen it. I haven't started watching it because I'm so, like, I'm going to f- watch it soon. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm excited for it just because I love the Jessica Jones character. Me too. But I, yeah. I, I would like, I'm interested to see how they take it because I feel like part of the reason why Jessica Jones worked was a lot of it was like Jessica Jones was like new character, yeah. like, a, like a new thing. Yep. And then just her relationship with Kilgrave and how that was explored was mm. really amazing. Yeah. And bringing in Luke Cage. And Moon and Luke Cage worked really oh, well, yeah. too. Oh, yeah. So I'm interested to see how they make that work for a second season, because I didn't like season two of Daredevil. Okay. So I'm wondering if, like, a lot of these Netflix shows are just going to be, like, good for the new, the first season they come out. Yeah. And then the second one is just kind of like, oh, we ran out of things to do. That's very possible. Yeah. So Super like, possible, yeah. It might be that. Um, I'm I'm hoping that Luke Cage season two is good, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't I don't really care anymore about Daredevil. Oh, that wow. that that's, first that second season just fucked me. I dude. love that second season, man. Yeah. Like that first season was amazing, but I couldn't I couldn't do a lot with the second season. The second was too. Like I don't know. Like I'm, I'm I keep yeah. up for Daredevil season two, but like if I'm going in order now, like the only one I am checking for is Daredevil. Mm-hmm. Luke Cage, just give me like B product. Give me a B product. You know, it's like I like series like Luke Cage. The mm-hmm. first one is like I get to identify with the character that looks like me on screen, and the music sounds pretty authentic to you know the, mm-hmm. the area. So all of that is good. Give me another solid B B plus product. You don't have to go over the top like Daredevil season one jessica jones season one just continue to go baseline yeah. because what, what you got with the defenders and what you got with iron fist and what it kind of feels like i'm getting with jessica jones right now is just some content just just content it's yeah, just right. content well and, and that's that's really the bad part about when you get into that kind of show writing yeah. because they had this is my problem with the avengers mm. you know they they had this big fuck you massive movies that were quite good yeah they had the first Avengers, and they're like, "All right, well, they're together now. What the yeah. fuck do we do with them now?" Yeah, because you can't really explore a lot of the separate identities of the characters now that they're all they're in a group. group mm-hmm. Because if one of them goes away, well, like, why did they go away? That's stupid. They're, yeah. they're more powerful in this group. They mm-hmm. should say, like, the logic falls apart the moment that you start separating these people again. Oh yeah, and so that, and that's kind of the pitfall with those kind of shows. You oh, have yeah. you have to have like a really solid reason for those characters to separate after they came together after they came together yeah. exactly like you're never you were not gonna see a um what's the who scarlett johansson what character she plays that uh, black widow black widow yeah we're not gonna see a black widow independent black widow movie now mm-hmm. you know same thing with uh the justice league i don't know they might they're, they're gonna do it a little different unfortunately like i wish we would have got to see aquaman's story before the justice league right or a lot of the, i can't what the cyborg guy can't think of yeah, his name is cyborg his name is literally cyborg <laughs> oh, yeah. the cyborg guy whatever his name is <laughs> Yeah, so it's like now we're gonna have to like see that retroactively now, you know. But yeah. we'll see how that goes. But I don't, which it, which it isn't bad. But like the reason for separation has to be solid, because otherwise mm-hmm. it's like, well, call yeah. Superman. Yes. <laughs> or yeah. the reason's gonna be for like, them, yeah. uh, 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 fucking call Daredevil. He knows how to kick ass. Or call Luke Cage. Yeah. He's literally bulletproof. Yeah, yeah. and yeah, especially because we know you know the setup of everything. It's like Jessica Jones, where you are. You know, Luke Cage is like right down the road, right? Yeah, right. You know, Daredevil is like right down there. <laughs> Iron Fist is like right there. We yep. just seen all of y'all together in the same area. You guys so. had coffee last week together. Yeah. I know where you are. <laughs> yeah. and it's just like fucking get it together and start punching shit. Yeah. Uh, that's well, that's some of the pitfalls of those shows. But I'm excited for Jessica Jones genuinely because I love that character. Yeah. I love the character. So She's I'm dope. interested to see what they're doing. Hell yeah, man. 
Uh, did you watch anything else besides Jesse? A few other things, but not like serious. No. Yeah. What about you? I rewatched Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri Ooh, again that's yes, sexy. yesterday before Chronos. Yeah. Such a good fucking movie. Yes. Like, I just God laid, damn it. <laughs> like, I, like when I first watched it in theaters, I mm. loved it, but mm. I didn't really think about why I loved it super strongly because I mm. knew we weren't going to do an episode on it mm. and I wasn't going to talk about it to anybody because nobody fucking watched the movie that I know mm. when it came out. Yeah. Uh, but I rewatched it again. Yeah. It's just such a strong fucking movie. Yes. Yeah, it's just good. Yeah, like I said, it was a top three. Like, I regret that I didn't see it before we did our top ten because right. I was uh, telling you and Jonathan in a group, I'm like, it would have been my top three movie of the year. You know, after seeing it, I'm like, it's it was that good, the performances. And from last week, uh, my call back, when I was caping up for the Oscars, predictions right, guys. Fucking <laughs> Got right. them right. Got all those predictions right. Uh, Sam know. Rockwell won something, and then Sam, Francis McDonald was best they, actor. That's Yeah, the exact ones I was like. The only ones I'm caping up for is Shape of Water for Best Picture, um, Sam Rockwell for Best Supporting Actor, and Francis McDormand for Best Actor. Right. All three came through. Came through. Give me my fucking money. And uh, <laughs> Get Out won screenplay. Best yeah, screenplay. best original screenplay. Yeah. <laughs> Give me my fucking money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he got it right, guys. We have to pay him. Yeah, you have to pay me now. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, 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 like, I watched the movie, and I love, first of all, Sam Rockwell's yeah. entire performance yeah. is amazing it from is. beginning to end. Yeah. Especially it's, like when, when you've seen Moon. Like, you got to see him be a completely oh, yeah. different character and then see him go to that. It's like, whoa. And, he, and like, he started the movie as a kind of like a doofus, mm. and then he ended the movie as like, it's such a redeemed character. Yeah. Like, to a point where. I don't think the movie was about Francis' mm. character at all. I think the movie was about Rockwell's character, uh, like the entire yeah. time. Because I, like we follow Mildred, yeah, and we follow that journey. But the one that changes the most, and the one that we're attached to from the halfway point of the movie too, is Sam Rockwell's character. See, I I have a point. I want to see if you would agree with me on this. Mm-hmm. That I believe that Francis McDormand is the antagonist of the movie, and Sam Rockwell is actually the protagonist. I like, think so. You know, because yeah. like she's and and if we're looking at her poke at him. It was like, oh, is that what your mama thinks? And you're like, she, she's always fucking with him at all times. So I'm like, I see her being the antagonist. And she's the antagonist of the entire town, right, you know, yeah. as well. You know, and, the only, and she doesn't really change much either. Nope. So like you're saying, Sam Rockwell, by definition of what a protagonist is, like he damn well is, you know? Did a complete 180 sure at the end of the movie. It was yeah. fucking phenomenal. Oh, yeah. But it, like, uh, and, and Martin McDonough, mm. one of my favorite directors and writers. Good. Yeah. And I love his subtlety with like language because mm. he does a lot of repetition when people are talking. Oh, yeah. Okay. And uh, I don't rem- I don't remember like what the scene was or what the quote was, but it was something about oh fuck her friend over mm. when Sam Rock was talking to his mom. Yeah, and it was like just fuck her friends over. He was yeah. like, huh? Fuck her friends over. Does she have any friends that you can fuck, fuck over? over? Just fuck her friends over. Yeah, like that repetition of like fuck her friends over and over again. Yeah. First of all, it makes the conversation hilarious because he finds four different ways to say to the say same it. thing. Yeah. In like two seconds. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> And then you get the, and then like by him repeating that, you kind of get more information mm-hmm. out of, even though he's not giving you a lot, you yeah. can like, the way that they say it, how they're saying it, you can guess what's going to happen. And it's just, it's just fucking delightful. I, I like when they, they do that a bit again in the, uh, an interrogation scene where um, Francis McDormand is in the room and uh, Sam Rockwell's character comes <laughs> over and she says something about, um, are you out there still beating niggers? He's like, how's like the that? nigger torture business? Nigger torture. <laughs> yeah, and it was like, no, 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 it's per- persons of color torture. You can't say nigger, nigger torture. It's per- persons of color. It's persons of color torture. You can't say that anymore. And then Woody Harrelson comes in and then Sam was like, she, she's over here talk, talking about nigger torture and I'm telling her that you can't say nigger torture anymore. It's persons of color torture anymore, and and it's it's it's, it's all right, man. It's all right. Just just I go can ahead. handle this. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's from here. 
It's so fucking great. It's delightful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That that movie goes from being like mildly humorous to being like super heavy as fuck, yeah. and then being mildly humorous again. Yeah. And uh, I fucking love it. I, I had a, a flip flopped on the um when they when I thought the movie was over, I was like, this movie is great, a plus, because it was um. When when she's sitting there, and then uh, you just assume that you know, she she makes a call, mm-hmm. and then it's like, uh, yeah, um, I'm going. What is it, Iowa or Idaho? Idaho. Idaho. It was like, uh, yeah, um, just so happens I plan to be going to Idaho in, in the morning. You want to join me? It was like, all right. So then, I, then the movie it kind of goes to black and then comes back up. So I was thinking the movie's over right now, and then our mind is like, oh shit, you know, she's gonna be an irredeemable character, and he is too. They're gonna go off here and kill these people because that's all the information we're left with. Right. And then at the end, you get a uh, more of an ambiguous type of ending is just when they're in the car she's like um so are you sure about this and he was like uh not really i don't know and it's like and then so i guess we'll, we'll figure out on the way there right and the yeah. movie ends from there so now it's just you have like i said it's ambiguous maybe they decide to just turn around and go home maybe they get to idaho get some breakfast and go home maybe they go to idaho torture and kill them you yeah. know but it's there's it's open-ended now and i i just love movies like that it's really so, nice. yeah no I, lo- I love the end of the movie I, I just love the entire fucking movie it looked okay. gorgeous the writing was gorgeous the performances yeah. are gorgeous it's a gorgeous fucking movie oh, yeah. Uh, so that's pretty much like what I watched. Yeah. Like really watched the entire week. Rewatched Jessica Jones season one. I remember how fucking dark that shit is. Yeah. It's fucking phenomenal. Oh yeah. Uh, love. Uh, love. Did you ch- catch any of the Judd Apatow show? Love. No, I don't like. I, like I, I like Judd Apatow, mm-hmm. but his like his like content of comedy mm-hmm. doesn't align well with me. Uh. So I, I tend to avoid Judd Apatow things. I think the only one that I've heard you cape up for on the show is um, uh, Superbad. Superbad, yeah, that was funny. Yeah, that's, that's the only <laughs> one I, I believe I heard you cape up for. But yeah, outside of that, yeah. I, but I'm a big Judd Apatow fan. Yeah. But um, Love came back for season three. Uh, Gillian Jacobs and uh, Paul Rust. Another phenomenal season. Like, I mean... Um, Every time you say Paul Rust, I think... Paul you mean Rudd. Paul Rudd? No, but, <laughs> yeah, it's Paul Rust. Got yeah. it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, Gillian Jacobs. Uh, we had Sam Setzer on a few weeks ago, and he did not like last season whatsoever just because of how terrible her character went. She just went full-blown alcoholic, terrible person. Right. And in this season, she's not drinking anymore. You know, no. she's she's sober. Her character is a lot more level-headed. And Paul Rust's character, who's also sober, now he's... I guess the the sober person is finally able to see the mistakes in other sober people, okay. you know. And now Paul Rust is just like falling apart, and she's able to see it for herself. Okay. So I mean, it's, it's it's a really good show. I'm halfway done with with Love, so check that out if you guys nice. want. Oh, I, I do have a thing. I watched the first episode of season two of Atlanta. Yeah, and Alligator Man. <laughs> Alligator Man. I fucking love that. Dude. Yeah. It was such good, like it was such good cinematic television. Yeah. Like. Donald Glover, man, whatever that man is doing, just yeah. give him all the money in the world yep. and just let him figure it out. Yeah, man. He's just, he's got such a vision. The performances are like bizarre, yeah. but kind of weird. Yeah. The, the interesting thing about Atlanta is that I'm so culturally disconnected mm-hmm. from the show. Yeah. And like anything that the show is exploring in terms of character or like situations or yeah. whatever. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck any of that means. Yeah. I really don't. Yeah. But the the show kind of presents us in a way where you can just be like, ah, I get where it's coming from. Yeah. Oh yeah. And and I quite like that because it's not it's not disconnecting me. I don't have to like learn anything else nope. to figure out about the show. Nope. It's just there. You watch it, and then it's, it looks fucking gorgeous. Sure does. Donald Glover is like perform. He's just a good actor, man. Oh yeah. Like, Donald Glover is just a fantastic actor. Yeah. And like so, so they, they brought that. Cat Williams in for uh, for that episode of Alligator Man. A hilarious it's guy. It's really is. funny. Hilarious. She ain't say, I'm just fucking the bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Domestic, huh? We ain't married. I'm just fucking the bitch. 
my favorite my favorite part was the um the the al- is alligator friendly part. No. You know, it's like what the fuck? <laughs> is there an alligator in there? Yes. Yeah. Is he friendly with you? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> like what? No, the alligator ain't friendly. Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. the Atlanta, like it, it's a good show. Chris has been harping out for it for like two years. Yeah, so. yes, it's really good. Like yeah. it a lot. Do it, yeah. do it. Uh, anything else? I think I'm. I think I'm all caught up. I've been doing a lot of photo work, mm-hmm. and I've been doing a lot of printing and all of that bullshit, which means I'm spending a lot of time just staring at people's faces yeah. on on their fucking screens. So I'm pretty sure I know things about people's faces that they, that don't, they don't know about, about them yeah. and every time i look at them i was like do you know about that thing in the back of your neck do yeah, you yeah. i don't think you do yeah. we never looked at it i looked at it for five hours last monday yeah hope you like it <laughs> <laughs> anyway we're gonna cut and then we're gonna talk about chronos it's guillermo del toro's first movie yes and uh it's, it's, let's do that oh yeah if they even know this that they have the same mark i'm like listen I'm, i have bad memory <laughs> all right I have bad memory. <laughs> I have a lot of conversations in the week, and I don't remember when I've said it, when I haven't said it. I just say things. <laughs> Man. All right, all right. So you're welcome but, again for that same joke about the, the moles in the back of people's neck thing. Yeah. I mean, they only know it if you listen to last week's episode and yeah. then listen to this one immediately. That's all. Yeah, talk about I have bad memory. Anyway, yeah. Kronos. Hell yeah, Kronos. Let's talk about that shit. Hey. I truly should start taking memory pills. <laughs> I talked about memory pills like a year ago, and you gave me so much <laughs> shit. Well, well, have fun with your, your new habit and uh, new addiction that you'll be spending $15 a month on for the rest of your life to be able to keep up your memory. Yeah. I'm Look, so, I still stand by that. <laughs> uh, but I remember shit, though. Been able to remember things ever since. The thing is, I stand by it, but now I have to participate in it. <laughs> and I, not have to be. Oh, goodness. I remember shit. I was like, all right. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking do the run then. Yes. Kronos. Uh, like I said, it's Guillermo del Toro's first movie. Uh, he directed and wrote this when he was 29 freaking years old. Yep. Super young guy for something like this. Awesome. It um it was a rated R movie, a one hour and thirty four minute runtime, and it's surprisingly listed as a horror movie. Uh, it came out in uh, nineteen ninety four. Uh, it stars Frederico Lupi, Ron Perlman, and Claudio Brook. Yep. And yeah, I mean, surprisingly, like it, like it's his first movie. It made it into the Criterion Collection. It did. I yeah. mean, this this is a Criterion pick. Ah uh, yes, for the yes, block, yes. yeah, Criterion. And uh, I mean, man, it's just like it just goes to show like how good a filmmaker Guillermo del Toro is when his first movie makes it to Criterion. Very true. Yeah, yeah. yeah I didn't even think about that. Yeah, your very first movie out of the block Criterion. You yeah. in there? Yeah, um, like yeah. like why would people not fund your movies now? After that, yeah. <laughs> the uh, the rundown on it is uh, a mysterious device designed to provide its owner with eternal life resurfaces after four hundred years, leaving a trail of destruction in its path. Oh, that that it that that's such a vague that's, little rundown. That's yeah. everyone, you know. Yeah. Every single one is going to be vague. Uh, is that it from the rundown? Okay, yeah. okay, cool. Okay, so this movie is, is is interesting to me. First of all, the movie's in Spanish, entirely in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Even the text is in Spanish, but it doesn't happen for for a movie. So like, it, it goes to show that it was like a like a proper like Mexican production. Yeah, I, I, my text was in English, but yeah. Oh, really? Yours was in English? Like the? I can't read Spanish. I, I know, but like not the <laughs> subtitles. The like the credits and all that shit. Was that an English? Oh, movie? no, no, no. Yeah, okay, yeah. yeah, the, yeah, credits, yeah. the credits were in Spanish. No, yeah. the credits and everything yeah. that was overlaid on the actual yeah. film. All was, Spanish, yeah. It was all in Spanish. It was yeah. like a proper like Mexican production. Sure was. And just the fact that it, 
it got international, and not only international, but it won awards internationally sure and did. nine awards in Mexico. Yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. And uh, it, it, this movie, the, the only gripe I have with this movie is that it can get really, like, you know, painfully slow mm. at times. But everything other than that, I genuinely love what Guillermo del Toro did with, uh, with the mythos of vampires and, mm. like, the device and the alchemist and all that shit. Mm. I loved all of it, which means probably start explaining what the fuck happens in, right. in the movie. <laughs> so we have this uh, alchemist. What year did he start this off? Like in the 1500s or so, the original it was guy? Like, yeah, 1516, yeah. some yeah. shit like that. 1500, 1600s, this alchemist who's trying to, uh, eventually he, he makes this thing called the Kronos. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that, it's supposed to give you eternal life. You can live forever. But this guy just lives for 400 years. And then mysteriously, this warehouse area that he's in collapsed for some unknown reason. And then underneath, he's underneath it. It all collapses on him, which he could have survived, you know. But something pierced through his heart while he was there. And uh, I think the last words he said, it was in Latin. It was like suo tempore or something like that. Mm -hmm. But it um, literally translated to uh, in his own time. Mm -hmm. And from going back to look at it, I was like, all right. So he's believing that he kind of has the power of a God to be a God, you know, eternal life. And then realizing that something just out of what seems to be nowhere, you're building. It would be as if like a like a uh, airplane just ran through the window and killed us both. Right. You know, it was just like, you can't control that. Like, what the fuck? So just his building collapsed on him and just right through the heart, one beam. It could have went through any other part of his body, nope, right head, face, anywhere else he, he survives. So it was just like he, that person in the first 10 minutes of the movie, we get to see that, that religious kind of, which is peppered through the entire movie, yep. so much, uh, so much uh, religious themes within it. But him realizing that he is not the all powerful, that there's something so much more powerful than he mm-hmm. from the very beginning. What I like, and then and then the rest of the movie picks up when our main character Jesus Gris uh, finds the Chronos device mm-hmm. on on the base of a statue where the alchemist presumably hid it. Yeah, he finds it. And then he's kind of investigating what it is and whatever it's it's doing. Mm. He accidentally activates it and it like stabs him in the hand and it injects something in his bloodstream yeah. and makes him feel younger mm. and it revitalizes him. Yeah. And whatever. But then we also find out at the same time, well, after immediately after that happened, we find out that there's an old man mm. who looks like Walter Bishop from French, but isn't that guy? <laughs> I don't uh, know French. Oh, it's a good show. You should watch it. Right. So there's like an old guy that's like dying and he wants to live eternally so he can be rich by, you know, mm. compounding interest or whatever the fuck. Yeah. It's just, just an old, rich, angry we'll white guy. Forever guy. yeah. And then Ron Perlman's his nephew and this old guy forces Ron Perlman's character to find the Kronos device because he mm. found the instructions to the Kronos yes. a long time ago and now he wants the actual thing. Yeah. So the game is literally, I mean the game, the movie is literally just sort of like Jesus Grease and this old guy sort of doing this whole cat and mouse thing where like at some point Ron Perman knows that he's got the chronos and this guy knows that he's got the so they're just mm. kind of running away from each other. Yeah. The interesting part about this movie is that you don't know it's a vampire movie mm. until pretty much the very end. I I disagree yeah. just because like I think you, it can totally be looked at as a vampire movie, mm-hmm. but I don't think it is a vampire movie. Right. Well, it, it it uses the vampire mythos. Yes. You know, like yes. like like it's 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 a movie. Ab- intrinsically, it's a movie that features vampires. Yes. In it, and whether the movie, you're right, the movie isn't about vampires. Yeah. But the the like the 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 delivery of that vampire mythos inside oh, yeah. the film. Yeah. 
is done so sneakily and mm. so softly yeah. that even when you see him like licking up blood in the bathroom yeah, off the like, floor <laughs> all, right, all right listen this is weird i'm getting vampire vibes mm. but i don't know for sure yeah and it's not until the very end when you start seeing a lot of the like the his body decaying mm. and rotting and all of that there you start thinking, all right, there's a vampire a bit, yeah, thing yeah, in here somewhere. somewhere. Yeah. The first time I watched it, I had no fucking idea. I mean, the, the only reason I don't want to like attribute it 100% to vampire, mm-hmm. because that is definitely there. Like, I, You can't yeah, yeah. watch that and be like, there's nothing, no vampire like mythos in there whatsoever. The other thing is just the um, with insects and uh, religion. Right. It's, um, so when I came with the guy that you said looks like he's from Fringe, mm-hmm. he's a, uh, oh, and let me back up because you, you let off a little, a bit of a Freudian slip. It was like the game that they're playing. Like, not really a game, but like the cat and mouse. Right. Uh, literally in the movie, the guy says, um, Senor Grease, you may continue the game. After all, you have the toy, but I'm keeping the instructions right. and I'm open all night. You know, so it, it very much is like a game to him, you know, mm-hmm. that they're going back and forth with. And um, but anyways, just going from the, the insect, he's um, he's telling them he was like, why would you believe that like humans or you know the God's grand creature, like the, the greatest thing? It was like, look at insects. A lot of the things that the Bible was based off of, of doesn't necessarily have to be humanity. It's just the things that are living on Earth. Um, Jesus walked on water. A mosquito is able to do that. You know, um, insects can survive inside of a tomb for hundreds of years, and then you open up the tomb, and then the insects are there. You know, similar to the Jesus uh, Jesus of Nazareth story, right. and connecting all the things and showing how powerful the insect truly is you know to survive mm-hmm. and adapt and inside of this um inside of this gold chronos it's, chronos, a, it's, a, it's yeah. a beetle it's a golden but, beetle yeah yeah this golden beetle there's the, an, an insect inside of it that has the ability of somewhat like of an earthly god mm-hmm. you know to be able to grant you the ability to have immortality somewhat and like I said, the that is just connected on to, like you said, the vampire mythos. I want to just put it all in one pot, but it's like I can't ignore how heavily the vampire, you know. Yeah, well, is well in there. the thing is, like, like traditionally vampires are related Religious. to Catholicism. Mm. They have very strong connections to Catholicism. Oh yeah. What I think that Guillermo del Toro did here, and this is the reason why I fucking love Guillermo del Toro, mm. is because he's he's able to take something that's utterly familiar to us, something that's been done. Yeah. Quite a bit. Even at the time when this movie came out. Like, it's been done for ages. Vampire movies has been around since cinema have been around. Oh, yeah. And he's able to take that concept of, like, a vampire mythos and then not only, like, revitalize it, Mm. revitalize it. Yeah. He makes it in a way that you don't necessarily know it's a vampire mythos so that by the end when you understand what it is, you have this moment where it's like, oh, fuck, that was really smart. Yeah. And, and, And that's what it worked. The movie isn't about vampires. The movie is about the, you know, the, I think it's about the love. Ultimately, it's about like the love that the little girl has for the grandfather mm-hmm. and how that's everlasting, despite the fact that the grandfather is slowly turning into sort of monster figure and mm-hmm. about how easy it is to corrupt men with sort of heavenly power. Mm-hmm. That's what I think the movie's about. The movie's really exploring that idea of like humanity can handle being gods. They're ultimately destroy themselves for it. I got I got two things, and I guess it's basically in that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them I wrote down was like, if religion if religion teaches us the purpose of this world is to prepare for the next, then what greater punishment could there be than to be stranded, you know, right one. before? Yeah. Yep. With with that being one, and um, seeing the uh, the the older guy that died after four hundred years and realizing that you know he's no longer stranded, and um, the scene to where our main character. He's his uh, his car is pushed off the uh, the edge of a cliff, mm-hmm. and he's there upside down dying. 
And just like you said, with reputation, the thing that he's that he, he sees thinking is number one, it was like I can endure so much more. Right. And it's just thinking about you know your mortality. It's like it's not what is it about. It's just how much can you handle? How much can you endure on this earth? And he's like I can endure a lot more. But here I am laying, dying alone, right? Alone. You know, thinking about that twice, and then you, you see that by the time you get to the end of the movie, his he's changed completely into this almost reptile skinned. Uh, insect-skinned uh, vampire, yeah. white moth-like creature, and his wife and his granddaughter are by his bed as he as he died. Right, you know, so it's like that connection to family and and love, and yeah, that's what I was really getting from that. Yeah, yeah, and, and I agree, and I think that like, it does both things really yeah. well. It does oh, that yeah. thing about saying that humanity will like eventually corrupt itself if oh, we yeah. give them heavenly power. Everything is you know sort of a game for someone that. That doesn't want it for the right reasons, and yeah. the person that wants it for the correct reasons tends to uh, tends to suffer from them. Yeah, and that's kind of what I think the movie was going for. But it was also going for for that. Oh yeah, you know, theme of just like family and connections and yeah. these kind of important relationships. Oh yeah, are maybe temporary, but they tend to last. Oh. Longer than human life does. There was a uh, another moment that um that, sh- that was showing me that there's um so she the daughter and the daughter has a very I wanted to uh, explore a bit more with uh, Guillermo del Toro's his mm-hmm. characters in his movies and his television show now that I, I'm aware of that this um, the character that Sally Hawkins played in uh, Shape of Water reminded me very strongly of I this didn't actually think girl. of that but that makes you sense. know the dark hair the girl that doesn't really talk too much and communicate mm-hmm. I want to know what this representation of is in his actual life right you know this. Because I mean, if you, Sally Hawkins' character could just very well be this exact same person we've seen in this movie as an adult, yep. you know, almost, you know. I, I think that it's interesting because Guillermo del Toro has said openly that he identifies much more with women, with women yeah, uh, in, in in cinema because he grew up in a household around women, yeah, and I relate to that as well. Mm. Uh, but I think it's interesting to see that his characters tend to be women that that are put in a position of defenselessness and then mm-hmm. they rise up to be in a position of whether they're the powerful characters. Yeah. So I think a lot of like those characters as like emotive characters of like Sally Hawkins and, mm-hmm. and this girl and the girl from Pan's Labyrinth mm-hmm. are really just a manifestation of like him. His surroundings. Yeah, his surroundings. Yeah. Like seeing women be from like the like the abused or the, mm-hmm. the hurt or the, you know, the offended to be in the ones that are the aggressors and, yeah. the, and the ones that are defending what they love and the powerful people. So I think those characters are emblematic of what he thinks about women, where yeah. like women can be this thing, mm-hmm. but society has them in this other spot. That's what I think those characters mean from like Guillermo del Toro, from everything I've seen in his movies, because yeah. his characters tend to be really powerful yeah. females. I like that. Uh, there was, yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a point where um, after he gets the injection from, from the Kronos Beetle thing, um, where the very next morning he wakes up and he's feeling revitalized, has so much energy. He shaves off his mustache. He feels younger. He's thinking younger. And he goes out to his wife, and his wife looks at him. She's like, whoa. She has this look in her eyes, just like, wow, my husband just lost 20 years. Right, yep. <laughs> you know, and, and it's just like in the, the, the person that she is, you know, she still has so much youthfulness and energy inside of her body. And there was something that wasn't really explored, and it was just so small that I really love that Guillermo del Toro did. 
Um, so the, the very first time that we get to see an interaction with the wife and the husband, the husband comes down fully bloody, still looks like an old man with the mustache, bloodied all the way up. And we've seen her prancing around the dance floor back and forth and giving dancing instructions. And then she has another man that looks around her same age, you know, but he has so much youth to himself as well. Right. You know, so they're sitting there dancing and she's having a good time. He's having a good time. And then here comes the husband old man bloody you don't hurt yourself again and it's just while that is while that is happening you get to see the other two embracing each other like this is the life that we want right. and then the very next day after he finally takes that injection he becomes younger shaves the mustache off and this goes to his wife look at me right i'm yeah. young i have energy like i can <laughs> do all of these cool things and everything and um but just with the uh, the transformation we see like i said after he shaved that mustache off something that was very I really had to think about it a little bit is he goes in the morning, he goes into the mirror and he's like, buenos dias, buenos dias, buenos dias. He just keeps saying good morning over and over and over. And I'm like, that's something so common. It's just like saying, my name is Chris. My name is Chris. You know, it's just trying to like something is changing so completely out in him that he's trying to hold on to what he is, you know, right. and, and then we see that again later on when his uh, his granddaughter revitalizes him with that that beetle after he takes Ron Perlman crashing like 30 feet down, you know, to his death. Mm -hmm. She revitalizes him and he comes back and he's just that much more of the vampire undead yeah, type thing. Yeah, he's losing himself every time that he injects himself with that, this Yep, losing himself thing. that much more. So then he's he's repeating to himself, I am Jesus Gris. Right. I am Jesus Gris. Like saying it to over and over and then he's looking at his granddaughter and trying to fight the urge because she's bleeding from her hand yep. you know one side of him was like I can kill her and you know suck all of her blood out and that's what needs to be done and the other part is like this is the person that I love more than you know just this short amount of time that they'll be on earth right. regardless if I'll be alive forever like this is an important thing to me so I mean like you see he ultimately destroys you know Kronos, Kronos and yeah. ultimately kills himself by yeah. destroying the Kronos yeah uh, the reason I love that, and, and that's such a classic vampire mythos thing, like when mm -hmm. someone transforms into a vampire in the mythos, yeah. the loss of identity that happens is mm -hmm. always there, oh, because yeah. now they're faced with this ethical dilemma of like, do I drink this person's blood, or do I not, and die myself because killing someone is more? Yeah. That's a classic vampire mythos oh, yeah. narrative. Yeah. But the fact is that Guillermo del Toro didn't make this movie about the mythos. It mm. made this movie about the identity of the man yeah. that's behind the mythos in this case. Yeah. And that's, I think, the reason why this movie was so successful at doing it. Mm. Because we got, I mean, the movie was like kind of slow at the beginning, but we got to see this man's life. And we got to see how drastically it changed from the moment he found the Kronos mm. to the moment he died. And like that shift in character, that shift in loss of identity. Yeah. That shift in, like, what is death? Am I supposed to die? Am I supposed mm. to live forever? When the other guy explains it. Yeah. And, 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 and all of those things just kind of work together really well to form the idea that immortality comes at a price and it yeah. comes at sacrificing everything that you have as a human being. Mm. And then if immorta immortality, you have to sacrifice all of that yeah. and all the people that you love and all of your relationships and all your memories and all your humanity, is it worth it to be immortal or not at what cost? Yeah, at what cost? And that's kind of like, and that's so such classically vampire narrative. Mm -hmm. But we see we see it from a Hispanic perspective. Oh yeah, uh, and we see it not only from a Hispanic perspective, but we also see it from someone that admires the bridge between life and death. Because mm -hmm. Mexican culture is pretty obsessed with the idea of death and life. They mm -hmm. have this balanced out really well. Yeah, Catholicism as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, but Catholicism uh, doesn't celebrate death the it's, way that Mexicans do. The way, well, I guess I was leaning towards um, with Catholicism, just believing very strongly in hell and just right. giving you that much more of uh, the ambition to not want to die. Yeah, yeah, you know, from the fear of that. Which is true, and that is true. But what I mean about Mexicans being obsessed with like the balance of life and this is that they celebrate death mm. because it brings balance to life, and they have a whole day to that. What is the name? The Day of the Dead. Day of los Muertos. Da, yeah, which yeah. means uh, Day of the Day of los Muertos. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so that, that day is to celebrate the people that have died or remember them and give them offerings. Yeah. But in celebrating that day, it's kind of like just a remembrance that we all die mm-hmm. and then we should live to make people remember us so that when we die, we stay alive in their memories kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, which is also pretty much the plot of Coco, which is a great fucking movie if you haven't seen it. I haven't seen that one. That's really good. Um, so like that balance of like the morbidity of like that Mexican, that part of Mexican culture. Yeah really influences a lot of, I think, Guillermo's work because he's not afraid to tackle into something that's as morbid as death. Oh, yeah. And whatever that means, uh, instead of just, like, trying to focus on, like, life is the only good thing. In Mm. this movie, you can see that the balance of life and death gets corrupted the more that you use this thing. yeah. And that's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and that's why you lose your, like, that's why the humanity sort of gets lost. There's, there's something that in, in the first viewing, which was something I just harp on all the time, just mm-hmm. like having that, that real things happen. And when they do, we don't have the time to uh, shield eyes from it, you right. know, when it's happening immediately. And just like I was saying, I wanted to know where is that um, the origin for these characters, these female characters. And like I said, you have a small girl who's like six, seven years old, and she's confronted by blood at like every 20 or 30 minutes of the, of the film, you know, and not, on, not just any random blood. She's seeing her grandfather, you know, turn, you right. know, and then at one point, like he's reaching into what looks like his abdomen or what used to be his abdomen mm-hmm. and just pulling away flesh in front of this, you know, seven-year-old. Like she's just witnessing everything. And there's um there's another thing when um when uh, Ron Perlman is uh, attacking our main character mm-hmm. and uh, he's he's trying to um to find out where the Kronos is and then he's telling him, he was like what well, you don't know what it is you don't know what it does he was like yeah it grants you eternal life and then uh, Ron Perlman uh, starts laughing <laughs> yeah he, he says something like um that fucker does nothing but shit and piss all day and he wants to live longer. <laughs> You know, it's, it's like, what is the point of living longer? Like, what are you accomplishing by being here that much longer? And that's what just drew me into, like, the, the fear of right. what comes next, you know, as opposed to, like I said, the religious aspect of preparing for the next. It's like, I don't care about what's next. I'm just going to stay here, and this will be, just be, be my, comfortable own, here, my yeah. own personal purgatory forever and ever. But I, I like how the – I loved how the movie opened, and you kind of – for, for me, at least, when, whenever movies open in the first five minutes and give me what I, the information that I need and the, the information that I don't know that I need, mm-hmm. you know, because like the first five minutes, as you said, it's kind of slow. Ten minutes is kind of slow. Yeah. But without that information, it makes it a different movie for me. Yeah, absolutely. Because you know? uh, like, so you see the original Alchemist and then what he ultimately changes into. Mm-hmm. So then now looking at the movie, we get a character from the beginning and we know what he can ultimately change into. And when, when this guy dies, we, we get a scene of, or just some imagery of a, a man being hung upside down by his feet with his neck slit open like cattle, you know, mm-hmm. just draining blood out of him. And they find just barrels and barrels and barrels of human blood. He's just damn bogarting human blood, you know, because he plans on staying alive forever. So with our main character, now after seeing this first 10 minutes, mm-hmm. we know that that can be, you know, his, his life. That can be the end of him, right. being exactly like that person. 
And so, yeah, so the idea is like, you make the choice. Do yeah. you want to die a monster or do you want to die a human? Do you want to live a monster or live die a human? Live a monster, yeah. Uh, which is oddly enough that weird Batman quote, you either die a hero or live long the enough to see yourself to be become the villain. Yeah. Whatever. It's a narrative that's been told many a time. Yeah. But it's a narrative that's been told expertly well by Guillermo del Toro mm. here. And I think that the use of Aurora as a character uh, was genius because we have this sort of a blank slate character that's mm. witnessing all of this. Yeah. And we can't help but want her to be safe, yeah. which is what the main character wants to do. So again, it puts us stronger into the main character's shoes and his emotional journey. Mm. I think Ron Perlman's performance was really fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah. Uh, and I like those moments of like intimacy that he had with the with Jesus Gris. Okay. Uh, like when he's like punching him, yeah. And he starts laughing, and he just kind of drops on top of him. Yeah. That cas- that casualness of like, I know I'm kicking your ass, but I gotta laugh at yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just so classically just Perlmanesque, yeah. and I love it. Oh yeah. And it worked really well, and no wonder that they kept working together after this movie. Yeah. It's just so fucking delicious. My my favorite uh, scene with uh, Ron Perlman, besides the uh, the one I was just talking about, he wants to live longer, and all he does is piss and shit all day. Yeah. Besides that, was a scene that I didn't understand, and then later in the movie I did, and that's what made it hilarious to <laughs> the me. Nose the job. nose thing. <laughs> yeah, like the first introduction was like, I got a question. It's really, really serious. You know, like I got a really serious question. It's really it's important. Really, yeah, really important. You know, my movie importante. <laughs> so it's like, and he just goes back and forth between Spanish and English all yeah. the time. Like, I loved him. But uh, <laughs> he's putting these, like, paper uh, things to his nose to, like, try to show them what his nose will look like after a nose job. Right. And even later in the uh, in the film, he's listening to um, to some kind of infomercial talking about, like, plastic surgery. Yeah. You know? And I'm just like, what the fuck is this about? Like, why is he so into <laughs> this nose thing? And then later on, after um, he, he kills, he, well, he believes that he kills our main character by pushing his car off the ledge, yeah. his uncle immediately... With this little staff thing that we've been seeing the whole time, mm-hmm. and we don't see him smash his nose in like great editing. He yeah. walks into the room, or he hears, boom, you fucking idiot, or whatever. And then you see him holding his nose and blood coming down everywhere. Like, oh, that's why this must happen to him all the time. The time. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> must happen to him all but the time. But then also to, to like add on that, at the end of the movie when he's fighting with Hesu. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Like Jesus hits him in the nose again, yeah. and you hear Ron Perlman go like, "My nose, goddamn it again!" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So funny. yes. It was like little little writing stuff like that, like that really like endeared me to the movie. I, I like that a lot. And, and and that's the thing, like the movie is like really somber and dramatic, mm-hmm. and has all these like heavy elements to it. Yeah. But it, it's kind of it's a funny movie. Yeah, it has like it's points. got funny moments at times. Oh yeah. Like uh, I, I don't. This is supposed to be like dramatic. But I laughed at it is when he's in the stairs after using the scarab thing again. Yeah. And like Aurora's watching him and he goes like, no, everything's all right, honey. And he's just like sliding down the stairs. Yes, he's sweating profusely, <laughs> shirt is wide open, laid out on the stairs. Oh, it's fine. It's fine. Everything is okay. Everything's all right. It's like, yeah. it's clearly not And fine. it's like, and like you said, with the repetition, he repeats it even after she walks away. Yeah. And it was like, who are you convincing here? Right. You know, because yeah. like she don't believe that shit <laughs> at all. And it's, I love how, how she handled it. You know, like just, just being at, what, what is she? processing with her seven-year-old brain mm-hmm. you know she's seeing what's happening with her grandfather and then she knows that her grandfather is dead and supposedly has been cremated yeah. and then this man comes back as basically a zombie yep. you know to to the granddaughter you know of, of all people the grand well he calls first and then yeah. the wife ain't got no time for that shit she's but like, the granddaughter picks up and yeah. she like hears, hears everything yeah yeah she hears it. she's like oh grandfather's still alive like i'm a kid that the you know death doesn't doesn't mean final to me like yeah. anything is possible to a kid 
anything. You know, so for the grandfather to come back, she welcomes him to the house, but she still has enough like earthly intelligence to her to where she was like, well, you are kind of like a ghoul vampire type thing. So you ain't going to sleep on the bed or anything. So I'm going to just go in and put you in this box here. <laughs> and like as she's like cleaning out her toy box, he's like, oh, is, is, is that for me? <laughs> you know? Like she's doing that completely on her own. It's like, yeah, you're my she, grandpa. She and, but, and, and, and then not only is that funny, mm-hmm. but also like the idea of serving the classic vampire mythos. Mm. You slip in a coffin. You yeah, slip in a place that's coffin. dark, yeah. no light. And then they put him in a toy box. It's yeah. just like a really just sexy way of saying like, oh yeah, no, this man's a vampire. Oh yeah, they yeah. They, they give you that hardcore vampire evidence right before that as because mm-hmm. um, it's dark the whole time when he's walking there, then suddenly the light is shining through from over top of him and his mm-hmm. skin is just burning. And if that's, like the, if that's not a vampire indicator, like what else is? Yeah, you know, what, what do you want? Do you want me to throw garlic at him? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then, you know, stake through the heart kills him. So I mean, it's like, yeah, you can't really get away from the vampire-ness of, yeah, yeah, of, sure. the, of the movie. It's. I, I think it's ultimately a movie about love, relationship, mm. and like what it means to be human. Yeah. Disguised as a vampire mythos. Despise, disguised as a vampire film. Like on the yeah. on the surface level, it is a vampire movie. It, it is about be. turning into a vampire. Mm. But on the deeper level, it's about what that means for you, what that yes. means for the person, what that means for the idea of death and life. Mm-hmm. And then it's not. This might be a stretch. It's probably not a stretch, but this might be a stretch. Like okay. uh, Jesus Greece literally means great Je- Jesus. I w- okay, I yeah. wanted to ask you about that because yeah. I was like, why? <laughs> and, and oh, I, because his skin is kind of gr- okay. Well, no, but I think that like, okay, so uh, 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 I'm putting some weird symbolism on it, but right. white is usually associated with life. Okay. Black is usually associated uh, with death. Purgatory. And then we have the name between. Jesus, who is the guy that died and has come back. Mm-hmm. From Earth, and we have Jesus Grace, which just means great, great Jesus. Yeah. Essentially, we're like this guy is in between the balance of life and death, mm. and like what that means for his character. We ultimately learn to see that, and like that was the choice for him that he had to make. Yeah, was life or death. Okay, and and I think that his name is not only symbolic of that, but purposefully named Jesus Grace. Yes. Um, because of that reason, which I, would, I thought was a nice touch. Nice, because I was going to ask you, why is this name Jesus Gray? Yeah. You know, it's like when, I, when I'm looking at it, but all right, yeah, nice. Okay. I, I, think, I think that worked. I, I think ultimately this movie is like classic Guillermo del Toro, and why Guillermo del Toro is a good filmmaker. Great filmmaker. Oh, and, yeah. And, yeah, and why he's been the filmmaker that he's been yeah. today. Mm-hmm. And it's because he starts by, first of all, blending cultures, blending mythos with reality. Mm-hmm. It's a nice shade of magical realism, yeah. laden with his Hispanic influences, mm-hmm. But also, it get it just he kind of incorporates everything else around the world that's classically, or you know, or, or universally understood as a human condition. Yeah, blends it with Hispanic culture and symbolism about this like strong female leads and mm. life and death and whatever. And then he just goes like, "I've made it. You fucking watch it and tell me what you think." Yeah, and and that morbidity of filmmaking that sort of truth of filmmaking mm. is something that I will always love Guillermo del Toro for. Oh, yeah. Very and, often. Uh, it shows up in Pan's Labyrinth, shows up mm. in The Shape of Water, yep. shows up in Hellboy. Oh, yeah. And he is always mm. related to these ideas of like monster creatures and like, are we, am I more human than this thing or is this thing more human than I am mm. or is life more important for this thing than I am? Yeah. Like, he's always focused around those themes, yeah. around the themes that involve, involve vaguely religious things. Yeah, because that is what his culture is from, and and and, and I'm so glad that someone's just not abandoning that. But and, I was saying, you know, and without being heavy-handed, like right. he's he's giving you all of these ideas without being heavy-handed with with Catholicism or even with his own culture. Right. It's like nothing is really beaten over your head, and like I said, it's just blended so perfectly that. 
I mean, it's, it's as if we're going to call this a vampire movie, then it's one of the better vampire movies that I've seen just because you don't have the whole deal of you better go get your crew. And I sent you a joke about this like a year ago. And I was like, what's, what's the deal with these vampires? And, you know, it's like, are they only afraid of Jesus Christ? You know, what, what about Muhammad? What about all, or Buddha? What, what about all these other different religions? Like, you know, it's like, what if, you, what if you meet up with a vampire that's not Christian? You know, he happens to be Buddhist and you hold up a crucifix and you're like, get that shit out of here. Yeah, like, fuck off. <laughs> Slaps that shit out. Buddhist. Yeah, so it's like the only... Only, the only things that we get that connect the vampires, like we don't get the, the stake through the heart, we don't get the crucifix, any of that. We get the sleeping in a coffin, dark places, can't be no light, like yeah. that, that type of stuff. Like so we get know. the subtleties, but yeah. but we also we do get the stake through the heart moment. But yeah, we get it with the alchemist. Yeah, and then we get it at the end when he's fighting with the old guy before he kills him. Yes, where he's gonna stab him in the, in heart. the heart. Yeah, and and I love that it's not a wooden stake. I love that it's not. It's just mm. <laughs> spears yeah. the heart. Yeah, and, and nobody <laughs> is saying anything like this is how you kill a vampire. Right. Like, nobody's yeah. saying any of that or or a stake. The word stake is never mentioned. You know, none of that stuff is ever mentioned. Like yeah. you have to be kind of familiar with, like you said, vampire mythos to even understand it, that this is what's happening. A vampire mythos and. And the first time I watched the movie, I didn't know that it was a vampire mythos at all until yeah. that moment of the lights. It's like, oh, yeah. he's a vampire. <laughs> oh, yeah. That moment happened. Watching the movie again, you really see how much information is in there. Oh, yeah. To tell you this is a vampire mm. thing. Yeah. And how easily you just freaking yeet right over it. Yeah. Because you were focused on like what the characters were saying or what's happening. Yeah. And like the set production is gorgeous. The props are gorgeous. He has to get, I don't know if it, who he's working with, mm-hmm. but as far as his makeup uh, and uh, prosthetic design, every single movie, ten every ten. movie, <laughs> amazing. Yep. You know, so I'm like, whoever, it's, it's kind of like, um, Whoever that is is working with him is kind of like the backbone to him, like the editor was to um, Tarantino. To Tarantino. Yep. Yeah, it's like that strongly connected. Like if you took that prosthetic makeup artist or team, whoever he has, away from Guillermo del Toro, like it changes so much. Not to say he's not still a great director, great right, writer. Right, right, but it's such a big foundation of the huge, films that he's done. Huge. Because And he refuses to use CGI and for the monster creatures. I love him for that too. Uh, because of that, yeah, because because yeah. it, it just he wants that connection to matter. He yeah. wants these things to feel human. Yeah, and I just mm, mm, oh yeah, mm, Guillermo. Mm. Yes, uh, I, I I mean I love him as a filmmaker. He's genuinely such a like a like a nice dude mm. from everything that I've seen around him, mm. and, and he's so successful. And there's a reason for that. Oh yeah, and he's fucking phenomenal. And I love this movie. I really do. I like me, me too. I liked it a lot. I well, I watched it three times, so I mean <laughs> I'll probably watch it again at some point. <laughs> what would you rate this movie? Uh, Kronos, I'm going to give it a, like an eight, two, eight, three. Okay. Yeah. Like it's better than an eight, but it's not quite an eight, five for me. So it's like somewhere between an eight and an 8.5. Okay. I'm going to go for, I'm going to go for an eight. Right. Like an, like an eight. No, I'm going to go for an 8.5. Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I think the movie just like the, the plot itself is like very classic. It's very simple. Mm-hmm. It's not super complicated. It's not flashy. Mm-hmm. But I was never bored. I was always intrigued mm-hmm. and I always wanted to know what was happening. I liked the dialogue. I liked the conversations. Oh, I liked yeah. A lot about the movie. I like mm-hmm. the cinematography. Oh yeah, the lighting, and there's just not a lot. There's not a lot about this movie that I can just go like, nah. Okay. It's a, the only thing is the movie was slow at the beginning, mm-hmm. but again, in technicality, that doesn't count against a movie because you needed all that information. You gotta have it. Yeah. So I I I, I think it's a fantastic example of oh, like yeah. how you should make a movie imbued with magical realism and mm-hmm. mythological elements while keeping it close to life as possible. Oh yeah. That's how you do it. Hell yeah. Uh, so fuck yeah, Kronos. Uh, Shout Great out movie. to a wrinkle in Tom. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have to roast them like that. I did not have to do that. <laughs> a movie that's literally the opposite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yep. Ah, bless your heart, Chris. Oh, goodness. <laughs> anyway, I think that's it for uh, our talk about Chronos. Uh, we're going to cut and then we're going to talk about uh, television and movie Chronos. Hey. Boop. I, yeah. Yeah. Didn't have fun. Didn't, get, didn't get mentioned in the opening. You know why? That's uh, why. Because it wasn't fun. <laughs> and you specifically said, I watched a couple of things. But, but I went, yeah. <laughs> 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 that's that. I feel that. All right. Yeah. Welcome back to the For Film Sake Podcast, everybody. I fucked that up. Welcome back to the For Film Sake Podcast, television and movie premieres. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. uh, let's see. This week in our television and movie premieres for uh, Tuesday, March the 13th through Monday, March the 19th. Nice. Uh, the first one is Tuesday, March the 13th, is Ricky Gervais' Humanity. It's his uh, first stand-up special in about three or four years. It's his first one on Netflix. Interesting. I saw his latest stand-up. Uh, the one on HBO? I think so. Yeah, yeah he, he talked about like Noah's Ark or whatever. Yeah, that was yeah. good. I liked that. I like Ricky. Hell yeah. Ricky Gervais, he's, he's super dope. Yep. But that's, uh, that's Tuesday, March the 13th. Ricky Gervais, Humanity. It's a comedy special on Netflix. Check that out. Do it. Uh, next thing is Friday, March the 16th. It's called On My Block. It's a comedy series on Netflix. Uh, the rundown is a coming-of-age comedy follows minority high school students in South Central Los Angeles. All 10 episodes streaming today. So uh, March 16th, you can binge every single episode of that. Uh, it's a new show, so don't really have much mm-hmm. information on that for you. Uh, the next thing is going to be the same day, March the 16th. That Friday is Wild Wild Country. Uh, the Duplass Brothers produced documentary series streaming on Netflix following his Sundance debut in January traces a guy's failed attempt despite spending over $100 million to build a 64,000-acre utopian city in the Oregon desert in the 1980s. Uh, Local residents weren't happy about the sudden influx of strangers, and the resulting conflict began with the largest ever biochemical terrorist attack on United States soil. Jesus Christ. Only to get worse from there. So um, the Duplass brothers, I mean, we've kept it. Did this actually happen? It's, I mean, the way that it reads, make it, and they're saying it's a documentary, makes you think so, right. but it seems so far-fetched that, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like, I know about Waco, and I know about fucking Jonestown. Those happen. I didn't know that there was any desert in Oregon. Yeah, I don't even know where fucking Oregon is. I mean, I've been to Oregon. I mean, it's no. right above, uh, right under, right above uh, Seattle. Then Wa- no. Washington, Washington, and Oregon are right so, so beside there, each other. There shouldn't be a desert in Oregon. That's, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. I was like, I've been to Oregon. I've been to Olympic Oregon and uh, one other city. Like, there's, no, there's, there's nothing about what I've seen in Oregon that would demonstrate there's a desert anywhere near that. All right, Duplass so. Brothers, <laughs> you hooked me. I'm curious now to see what the fuck this is. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, that's Wild Wild Country, Friday, March the 16th, a documentary on Netflix from the Duplass Brothers. Uh, the next thing is Sunday, March the 18th, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, they're at their mid-season break. If you guys have been watching that, they're coming back and they're going to be on a Sunday instead of, I believe it was Thursday beforehand. So That's a really funny show. Oh, yeah. So if you have your DVR set for Thursday and then you don't get to see Brooklyn Nine-Nine, it's because it's coming on Sunday. So there you go. <laughs> uh, the next thing and last show for Sunday is, or for this week, is Genius Junior. It's a game show on NBC at 9 p.m. Neil Patrick Harris hosts a new game show with child contestants. I'm done. Yeah, like I'm not going to watch that, but uh, yeah. it's Neil Patrick Harris, so I'm like, all right, you know, I, I fuck with you. He's charismatic. He's funny. Yeah, yeah he's a yeah. great guy. So I'm like, all right, you, you, whatever you're doing right now, there's your shot. You know, you can't continue to do things that I don't, wouldn't support, but you've done enough things that I support that I benefit of the doubt. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah, I just don't like child contestants uh, or game show or nope. child actors really for all that much. I love child actors, but I, I don't like the like shows like um, 
kids say the darndest things yeah. or uh, kids who, are not interesting they haven't traveled they haven't partied they're not interesting <laughs> yeah i mean it's like i'm not i'm not super interested in, in yeah. that but it's neil patrick harris check him out if if anything just you know watch a uh, how i met your mother or watch um what's the harold and kumar yeah. that was that's that was the first time i ever saw neil patrick harris yeah. i've Laugh so hard at that. I yeah. fucking love it. it the, the reason that was so funny to me, because he he is a child actor. Yeah. Yeah, he was uh he he started this show when he was like eleven called uh Doogie Hauser MD. Me yep. and my grandmother used to watch all the time, and then he went away. He just went away for like twenty years. What happened to the little kid that was a doctor? What happened to Doogie <laughs> Hauser? What happened to Doogie? And then all of a sudden he comes back smoking weed, doing drugs, and filling up on titties and doing everything in this crazy, ridiculous movie that was just way outside of what we would have thought he would have <laughs> been doing done. when he came back. So I so. wonder if National Lampoon... Was that a National Lampoon movie? Harold and Kumar? Nah. No. Yeah, I wonder like, if they were excited to get Neil Patrick Harris being that kid that just disappeared and she's like, I'll do it. Fuck yeah, you will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they, that, that was a pull of a lifetime. I, yeah. I believe that that scene, those scenes in itself with Neil Patrick Harris is what made those Because he played himself in the movie. He right? was himself, yeah. He was Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I but, love it. Uh, but yeah, that's that's it for television. Now into movies. Uh, let's see. First of all, we have a movie called Flower. It's rated R, 90-minute runtime. It's a comedy. A sexually curious teen forms an unorthodox kinship with her mentally unstable stepbrother. Uh, the director is Max Winkler. It stars Zoe Deutsch and Adam Scott. Zoe Deutsch. Yeah. That's a cool name. Deutsch. Uh, the next thing is Love, Simon. It's a PG-13 movie, 109-minute runtime, listed as a comedy drama. Uh, Simon Cyper keeps a huge secret from his family, his friends, and all of his classmates. He's gay. When that secret is leaked, Simon must face everyone and come to terms with his identity. It's directed by Greg Berlanti, and it stars Nick Robinson, Josh Dumel, and Jennifer Garner. See, I'm excited for that movie because we need those kind of movies, hmm. but I've seen that plot so many times, many times. that I want like, I want that movie, but yeah. I want it interesting. Oh, no, <laughs> I understand that. I understand like, I, and I've seen Lady Bird. I've seen yep. the coming of age stories. Yep. I, like, I've... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Presented well, to me better. Well, if, you, if you're not excited about that, I got something that's going to really knock your socks off. No, really? Tomb Raider. Ooh, actually, <laughs> actually. Oh, uh, what? I might, I might be into Tomb Raider. I played the games. What? Why don't you just watch the, the Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider? Because... I mean, it's a the good goof. movie, yeah. What? But this isn't good. This is good. I don't know if it's good. Listen, I like Tomb oh, Raider. No. I like Tomb. This is brand loyalty. That's all this is. Okay. It's brand loyalty. All right. All right. All I'm gonna right. give it the benefit of the doubt. Okay. Because it's brand loyalty. All right. All right. Because I was, I, I watched the Angelina Jolie mm. uh, Tomb Raider. Yep. And then I was just kind of like, all right, this is great. I'm into it. That's the best we're gonna get, and that wasn't but, even amazing. But that's that the best great. we're gonna get. But. Then I played, like, I played the games that came out on Xbox. After those movies. After those movies. Yeah. Like, like, after 10 years. And then yeah. those games were so fucking phenomenal. Mm. They were so good that I'm hoping okay. that these motherfuckers borrowed a page from that game and learned something. Because it is following the, cl the story closer to the, closer to the games, you know? She's, okay. like, stranded on a ship, gets lost. We see that origin story. Yeah. I'm not saying, listen, mark my words. I'm not saying it's going to be lit. Oh, no, 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 I'm not saying that. Right. But I'm saying I'm giving it the benefit of the doubt. No, I mean, <laughs> hey, hey, I, I'm giving Neil Patrick Harris the benefit of the doubt yeah. for this child contestant show that's going to be garbage. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm just, I'm excited for Tomb Raider. Yeah. Because I fucking love Tomb Raider. Yeah. No, I mean, I feel it's you. so good. I definitely feel it. 
I'll feel it. I mean, I, I love the, the what's the Rotten Tomatoes. Um, Rotten they don't they don't have a score out there yet. yet. They're not letting anybody yeah. see it beforehand, and that's how you really know it's trash. Yeah. <laughs> you know, Watch they, me come back here like next episode, going like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> Anyway. But the, uh, the we, you don't need a rundown really. It's, it's Tomb Raider, you know what that is. Yeah. But um, I bet, well anyway, she she finds herself on an on an island uh, where her father has disappeared. Yeah. So I don't like that bit about the fat the dad thing. Yeah. I just want her on an island figuring shit out. Mm-hmm. I don't care about the dad. But man, like I, I I don't know. I don't care how it makes me sound really because I believe a lot of the video games were bought by people like me for my reasons, mm-hmm. and I believe that Angelina Jolie was cast. As that part for the same reason, mm-hmm. Angelina Jolie had them knockers, man. <laughs> Tomb Raider, she she had them knockers, and and this, this this is what I'm saying. The original Tomb Raider, when you got the pixelated titties, yeah. they're going around everywhere, they're like the Madonna titties, or like triangle. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's just like as a game, it's like, and they're trying to get away from that now because it's you know 2018, and mm-hmm. we don't have to have females that have huge titties and huge ass and able to to fight because that doesn't make. Mm-hmm. That much sense, you know, just just because if you if you're out in the Amazon or in the jungle and right. you're training and you're fighting that much, then your your body's gonna be kind of svelte yeah. and a you, little more you lean. You wear a fucking yeah, also yeah, but also and you wear a fucking sports, sports bra. bra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's just like it's just you're not gonna be looking like that. But the fact that she did in the video game, I appreciated that a lot. And then the fact that they 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 went and got a lady that was able to to carry that, you know, it's like you you can go find a very very good actress yeah. that can play the part very well. They was like, no, we need to get somebody with those knockers. We really need need that. So the fact that they went and did that, I appreciate that a lot. And that was really the biggest reason why I played Tomb Raider. That was the biggest reason why I watched the Tomb Raider movie. And unfortunately, I'm not going to be... Uh, You're gonna, it's not going to be well received. Yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, I'm not going not gonna to be watching this one. And it, no. it, may, it may or may not have to do with the knockers. Listen... <laughs> Because that's the brand loyalty I was loyal to. The brand loyalty that I was loyal to was the titties. Like, serious, from the beginning, from the game and then the movie. That is what I was originally loyal to. So unless you can give me that, I can't, my Listen, loyalty has d- changed. Do me a favor. Mm. Do me a favor. Oh, yeah. the, like, next weekend, mm-hmm. when you get some time off, yes. connect to your Xbox One. Yes. And then go to my games, yes. the ones that you still have access to, okay. and play the Tomb Raider game. The new, there's new ones? It's new ones. Yeah, okay. there's new ones. The ones that came out for Xbox 360. All right. They're remastered for Xbox One. Yeah. Play that. Yeah. Is it actual good gameplay? Like, it's a good it's game? Gra- it's great. It's okay. great stealth gameplay. It's yeah. great shooter gameplay. And okay. it's a really good story. It's great puzzle, like, gameplay. It's kind of yeah. like a... It's kind of like a Zelda that's not heavily puzzled. You know? Okay. It's just like, I like Zelda it's, a lot. It's, it's, it's shooty. And it's action filled, yeah. And you got quick time events, but it's also really well designed, and yeah. and the sh- it's just good. It's good. It's good I, can, I can get in there. I'll try that out. Play that because yeah. this Tomb Raider is obviously like in terms of looks based on that Tomb Raider, yeah. Because uh, she's much more normal, yes, and she's just much more reasonable. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm saying. Character. Like, if you're going to give me a character that's normal <laughs> and reasonable and has, you know, we're, we're going to actually have a story here, then I need to get invested into what Tomb Raider actually is, yes, as opposed to what Tomb Raider looked like. But also. She dumb thick. <laughs> I mean, yeah. All right. See, I, I haven't even paid attention to her dumb thickness. I mean, maybe, maybe she is, but because if you if you run around the jungle mm. for oh, a while, yeah, you're gonna have them legs. You're gonna have legs. You're definitely gonna have them. So legs. So there's your hook for Tomb Raider. Mm. 
she gonna have them thighs. She don't. She gonna have them thighs. My hook for Tomb Raider is just mm. that it's fucking good. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, maybe 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 I can go for the thighs and stay for the good. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that where people go to Hooters? Go yeah. for the wings, stay for the good. And it goes for the goes you for go the breast. You go for the breast, stay for the so, for yeah. the wings. Yeah. I feel disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> like nobody's going there for the wings. Just specifically going there for the breast. That's why I was going there for the Tomb Raider. Yeah. Going for the breast. You know, yeah. and I'll stay for a good movie. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Check it out. Play that game though. Play that game. That game's fucking. Lit. No. I love it. Uh, I mean, I guess I don't have anything else to say. Uh-huh. I support Tomb Raider for both looking good and being awesome. Yes. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> Fucking Christ. I, I, I don't know what you want from me. I don't know what you want. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I don't know what I want from you. <laughs> I mean, I mean, come on. I mean, come on. I mean, at, least you're, at least you're honest. Yeah. yeah, it's like, I mean, it's like I can suppress, suppress like some animalistic instincts, you know, do that yeah. all the time, every day at work when I'm, you know, around people. But you know, sometimes you just got to be a little honest here. And that's just my, just honest opinion. Yeah, no, I, I, like, I, I mean, like, I get it. I like, like, I like them titties. I, I got it, I, yeah. I like them titties a lot. Yeah, you know? I, I like buds. I'm into buds, yeah. But I'm like, I like buds too, but it's just like the titties are the first thing you see. See, I'm, I'm I'm usually in the corner of the room, mm. just like sitting down whenever there's a situation where I would meet people. Mm-hmm. I'm never the first guy to talk to anybody, no. so all I see are butts the first time I walk into a room. I got you. That yeah. is the first thing I see everywhere. Yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm always just like, oh, what's happening here? Oh, nope. And then I leave. Yeah. That's usually what yeah, happens. Hell yeah. Yeah. Uh, butts are great, man. They're, they're, I ain't hate no butts. Oh, yeah. I like some good some You can't, can't hate them butts. Mm. Good talk. Yeah. On that note, uh, <laughs> uh, you can find us on uh, Twitter, underscore the FFS podcast. You can find us on Facebook at the FFS podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play Music app, and Axis podca- Podcast app under the name for Film Sake. My personal Twitter handle is at Brian Archilla. I'm at THA underscore VONZ. Hey. hey. And we will see you next week hey. for our next thing. For what's doing right now? Oh, goodness. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>